right, YOLO, here we go. <laughs> I feel like we need like a theme song or something. Like, I think we do. <laughs> Should we sing something? Should we sing a doxology? I'm Anna. I'm Kaylee. And we are two middle school English teachers who started having conversations on books and faith and friendship on the front porch of our favorite coffee shop. Shout out to Common Grounds in Waco, Texas, our freshman year of college. And we've just kept having those conversations, even though we live 2,286 miles apart and can only get coffee together virtually. So it goes. The question we'll be chatting about today is what makes a book worth our time? Um, and I guess to just get started, we need to talk about what we normally read um, to kind of give you a, a general overview of where we're at with our reading. So Kaylee, what, what kind of re- reader would you consider yourself to be? Yeah, so I think that I tend to rotate between three main categories. Um, the first would be, I always like to have a classic, either waiting for me to read or currently reading. Um, Secondly, I like to have some kind of spiritually uh, faith-based book. And then the third kind of category of my typical reading is sort of a wild card. So sometimes that might be a YA book. Um, Sometimes that might be uh, something new that's just come out. That might be nonfiction or memoir. Um, And then sometimes that could be literary, like I guess literary fiction might be the way to describe the other kind of books I tend to read. and sometimes just, I like a good rom-com. So th- those are sort of the general categories I tend to um, find myself picking books from. What about you, Anna? Yeah, I think um, I wish I could aspire to your level of classics reading uh, or <laughs> Taylor's. Um, I've said that I was going to read Middle March for about three years now. And I just, every time I think about it, it makes me want to cry. Um, in a good way, in a bad way. Um, so I don't quite read classics anymore, I don't think, um, unless I pick up maybe a Shakespeare play that I've never read, um, which is always difficult. But uh, the other things that I rotate between are, um, right now I'm le- reading collections of essays a lot more. So, um, uh, and usually those are about something, <laughs> a social issue in the United States, particularly um, on race or socioeconomic status or housing or food insecurity, different issues that, or feminism. Um, there are a lot of great um, collections of essays out there, books that I've been reading. Um, those are a little bit more dense, so I'm trying to space those out a bit more. And then just a novel, kind of whatever is like hitting the top list. Uh, um, sometimes read the Pulitzers before they become Pulitzers and sometimes after. Um, really, it's just a mix of what's new and popping out there, um, what people recommend to me. So those kind of novels would just be, you know, maybe like somebody's one hit wonder or something like Colson Whitehead, who's had like some really um, beautiful work out there. So, and I also read a lot of YA fiction now that I teach middle school English. So um, it's fun to keep up with what the kids are reading or have recommendations for my kids. So that's where I would normally be in my reading right now this season awesome and I guess Anna you kind of answered this next question in what you just said but um when you're picking out what you read what sort of resources do you turn to or what helps you decide um what's going to be your current pick also 
addition to that question, you know, you had mentioned kind of wanting to space out um, the more maybe thought provoking or um, just intense reads, which I, I definitely feel that as well. Um, do you usually have multiple books going on, going at the same time? So first question, how do you choose? Second question, do you tend to read multiple books at the same time? Um, I'm going to answer the second question first, just because it's an easy one. Uh, no, I don't. I'm really a one book reader. I can't really focus on multiple books at the time. And I just, I don't know what it is about me, but I read one book at a time and just work my way through until I'm finished. Um, as to how do I decide what to read? Like recently it's been a lot of, I have a, a friend, um, or two friends that are married, uh, that are just, they're avid readers as well here in Memphis. And, um, they just, they have the best book collection. They have this huge bookshelf in their house and they're always like on Goodreads telling me things to read. Um, and if not just me, like the world. And so then I'm like, well, this is a personal recommendation for me probably too. And so whatever they're reading, I think, um, also President Obama also releases his, uh, books that he's read or top books of like 2019 every year um, at the end of the year and they get a lot of their books off of that I get some books off of that um, I would say also sometimes I just go to my favorite local bookstore um, called Novel in Memphis and I just look at the pretty covers I'm a sucker for a pretty cover um, when it comes to a book and <laughs> there I'll you know then I'll like look it up on Goodreads kind of see what the reviews are and um, if they're good I'll either buy it if I'm feeling if I'm feeling fancy or I'll go to the library which is just right down the street and try to check it out mm. from there so that's usually how I decide so recommendations cute covers President Obama's list <laughs> pretty, pretty standard. yeah what about you what is um influencing like what you read right now yeah I mean I definitely agree that um, friends' recommendations is probably top of the list. Um, and I think Goodreads is great for that. Um, and just conversations in passing. Um, I think you, Anna, obviously <laughs> are an influence on my reading life <laughs> and um, and help me get out of my, I must only read classic books that are over 400 pages, which I'm definitely not like that now. But I think I, at one time, mm-hmm. probably during college mostly would have been like, I can only read a book if it's like really old and has been verified by a ton of people <laughs> that it's really good. Like, I mean, not that I would only read those type of books, but those would be the type of books that I would um, identify yeah. with most or that I would want to associate with my reading life. So I'm kind of branching out of that You're now, which is fun. <laughs> oh, indeed. You know me. <laughs> um, and yeah. And then I listen to a lot of book podcasts, mm. honestly. So uh, what Should I Read Next is one of my favorites from the front porch. Um, I think those are my two that I listen to every week. Um, and again, I feel like I get more exposure to more contemporary novels from those two sources. Um, my mom recommends a lot of books to me. <laughs> a lot of times she just wants to discuss a book together. So she'll just be like, listen to the first chapter of this book. And, and sometimes that means I end up reading the whole book, um, which is great. Um, and then I still, I think actually the, um, the PBS list that I don't know when that was released. That was last year or the year before, but they took a big boat 
Um, yes, I have a little pen. Okay. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, I, what was it called? The hundred yeah, best hundred great reads. I'll have to grab my pen, but yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that has been um, kind of in the back of my mind ever since they released that. Of like, okay, I want to like check off a lot of these books. Um, yeah, the great American reads. So I guess that limits the yeah. like we're not reading any foreign books really I don't I think I've read like one person who's I think I read the Elena Ferrante series um my beat my brilliant friend um a couple years ago and that's like Mm, the only really foreign person that I've read um in the last couple years I read a doctor that was so that's um, a limitation on my ability to recommend I cannot recommend anybody who's not American probably or British uh yeah so Right. You know, basically yeah, American, definitely. American. Right. Absolutely. But yeah, that is a great list. And it, yeah, I mean, I think it, that one does include the, like, the class, I'm putting air quotes, like classics and like modern contemporary classics, like people, right. things that people are enjoying in the last like 50, 20 years or whatever. Um, exactly. That, that go into that list. So those two, are, I'm going to make a note to go back to that list so I can look at it later. <laughs> Because I need yes. more books. I need more books. That's oh, always. Need. And summer is coming, which leads us to our next question. Um, how does our current mood slash the season we're in, meaning both like summer, winter, fall, and also like what's going on in our lives, um, how does this help us decide um, what to read? And and. When we're talking about this question, um, we're thinking about what makes a book worth our time. So whenever we pick up a book and just like read the first few pages, what is helping us decide whether, you know, it's worth continuing with or not? Um, And I do think that how we're feeling and um, the season we're in can have an influence on that. So any thoughts on that, Anna? do you, are you a seasonal reader? Do you find yourself being drawn to different types of books in different seasons? Um, or do you feel like you're pretty consistent um, throughout the year? Um, I think as far as, I think there's something about a summer read that just, I either, <laughs> it's either extreme, like the middle March that I was talking about, the Joshua FD, like sometimes mm. like that's my summer read. It's like, I'm gonna take on like this big novel but sometimes it's a beach read, you know, or like what we'd classify as a beach read is just like something that has a cute cover and is, you know, being not that I'm on Instagram, but is being like advertised on Instagram that just has a light plot that um, I want to read in the pool. um, And I just want to get through it and enjoy it because summer as a teacher is like, quote unquote, time off. Um, So you know, doesn't feel like I need to work really hard during that time. So I think I I would say that I mostly steer away from like, n- like the heavy nonfiction, the essays during summer. So we'll see how that goes, because I have several on my list right now. Um, as we enter into summer it's next week, yeah. shout out to school being over. Um, but I think I would, yeah, I think in the summers, I just tend to like view it as like, oh, this is my fun reading time. Although, I guess I do fun reading all year long. Um, uh, but yeah, if, if I'm doing nonfiction, I'm more like on a memoir or, you know, maybe just something a little bit more that reads like a story just because 
Mm. I'm trying to stay in reading and not watch as much TV (laughs) Um, when I'm in summer and like could do anything throughout the day. So if, if I'm trying to read through some really dense statistics about, you know, the, about capitalism or something during the summer I may just turn it off and watch The Office and that would be okay but if I'm trying to like engage myself in my brain and reading um, then it it helps to to have something lighter in the summer for me Um, what about you I think for I know we talked about like seasons of the year but you are about to like enter into a really interesting season in life too like and not just like when you get to Arkansas but like when like as you're moving like what are you going to be reading Hmm. as you are traveling across the country oh I love that question yeah because I have definitely been thinking about that as I've been selecting books and um Wendell Berry has been an author that has been on my radar for a while but I I just hadn't read any of his books and I knew that he was super into farming and just being in touch with um, kind of your roots, um, both in like uh, being close to your family kind of way, and also just like knowing where your food comes from and understanding how the process of growing plants and tending to animals works. And so um, since Drew and I will be, you know, entering this farm life, which is something he's familiar with, but I, it will be all new for me. So Wendell Berry has definitely been um, kind of infiltrating my reading life, I would say, over the last year. So I just finished Gaper Crow, um, and then I read um, his novel, Hannah Coulter, probably about six months ago, and, and really enjoyed those um, books. Uh, they kind of just give, a, a, I guess, both books span about 50 years wow. of this one character's life um, and talk about the ways that their agricultural, rural communities um, influence them and um, there's little discussions of faith um, and just like the quirks of um, ordinary people Mm -hmm. in little towns which I definitely uh, can appreciate Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah so I've been reading Wendell and then you know I I feel like I yeah I'm still kind of searching for more books that talk about what it's like to transition Mm -hmm. maybe from I guess city life. I wouldn't consider myself a city girl, but I am living in a very populous place right now. Um, and I'm, I, I want to keep finding those books that describe that journey because I do think it's so helpful to um, read literature that is connected to your life in some way. Um, and so, yeah, if anyone out there is listening has a recommendation um, on city to farm life, I did read uh, a <laughs> From High Heels to Tractor Reels by Reed Drummond <laughs> a few years ago. So Important. <laughs> a classic right there. <laughs> um, have you ever read any um, Willa Cather, O Pioneers? Ooh, I have not. Yeah, that one's, That's a great suggestion. Yeah, that one's like a really, I haven't read her other one, My Antonia. It's another, I'm like looking at my bookshelf right now. It's Yay. another one that's like been on my list and I'm like, I should read that. But um, I read O Pioneers in college, I think. And I just like, uh, the character, one of the characters doesn't necessarily move from the city, but they are um, actually like they're in the, the farm rural area, which is, yeah, it's it's a good one. And it's a really quick, like light read actually for like a quote unquote classic. So um, Willie Cather is a good one. Uh, and somebody else just recommended Wendell Berry to me last night. I was like, 
wow that's crazy she wow. was like you've never heard of jaybird crow and i was like no i literally have never heard of that um, but good to know um that's amazing. yes thank you for that recommendation Anna. that i will definitely put that on my tbr list and uh just quick side note about jaybird berry the first time or jaybird crow not jaybird berry <laughs> uh the first time <laughs> i heard about that book was at the first school i taught at um this couple, they both were in different roles at the school and their first son was named Jaber. And I just thought that was such an interesting name. Yeah. Then realized that they named him after Jaber character. Wow. What? That's kind of yeah. to have the same like right? literature to name your kid after. Well absolutely. <laughs> All parents or future parents listening along. <laughs> um. Yes. Okay. So our next question. What forces shape our decisions on what is worth our time to read? And um, Anna, you had mentioned thinking through how our Enneagram numbers um, relate to both like where we, uh, where we look to decide what to read, like what that process looks like for us, and um, maybe could be connected to what types of books we read. But I, I think that's a really interesting, an interesting lens to think about, and especially in, yeah, like, um, I'm thinking about like when people recommend a book to you, how open are you to that recommendation? How much of it are you going to be like, yeah, I'm going to read this book because this person that I trust recommended it um, versus like really coming in with still a critical eye and being like, okay, like I'm going to try it because this person said it, but I'm not necessarily going to finish it just because, you know, my friend recommended it. I don't know if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, no, it does. But... I think, um, I think I'd fall on the, the end that's like, oh, I'll just, try anything I'll do anything I'll, to quote our yes and I'll kiss anybody like I don't know like I'll figure it out um <laughs> but I always feel like when I'm recommending books to people um particularly my friend Taylor I'm like oh my gosh she's she's gonna go in with a critical eye and if she doesn't like it she won't finish it and then I'll probably feel crushed by that <laughs> she started a book that I recommended to her recently and then like, I saw on her Goodreads I was stalking that she'd like started something else and I was like she doesn't love it enough to like only read it which just crushed me to my core but it's fine <laughs> if you're listening to this Taylor I love you and I'm sure you'll like Red Rising once you get into it but um <laughs> yeah I think uh when it yeah when it comes to recommendations that's kind of where I'm at what forces shape our thinking on what makes um are you a completionist Anna like Will you do you pretty much like finish every book that you start? Yes. Yeah, I it just first of all, uh, I think it, it kind of leads into our <laughs> our next question about Goodreads. Like, if people <laughs> know that if I've posted it on my Goodreads that I started it, you you know I'm gonna finish it. Or like, I I just feel like people are watching <laughs> me. Um, they probably aren't, but I think um, in terms of what makes something worth my while to read when it comes to the like nonfiction and the essays that I've been reading, I think it really comes down to like, kind of not like white guilt necessarily, but like just the sense that like, I need to know, I need to be more informed about like the communities that I'm working with um, and know a little bit more and be able to talk about it or be able to recommend like a book that's about social justice to other white folks or to um people who are in my community um so I think that force that shapes me a lot I kind of like strayed away from it for a little bit just because I kind of binged on that when I first moved to Memphis and started working 
um but I'm just a little bit like okay I need to like kind of re-engage my mind in some of these things and and not just Mm. take for granted that like I love Barack Obama like okay I love Barack Obama (laughs) and he made some bad decisions as president and you know like I love you know Mm. these I love um Bernie Sanders and I don't think socialism is the only way to think about it. I love like feminist mm-hmm. thought and I have some like, you know, uh, con- uh, conflicting like Christian views as well, you know, so just like mm-hmm. trying to wrestle with those thoughts and thinking that that's like a really important way to form my personality, um, form mm-hmm. my like character as well. Because <laughs> if I, especially if I think I'm going back to, um, grad school in the next year or two is like I may not have the kind of time I don't know when to do this kind of reading again um in the same way and do this kind of be prepared for that um and I guess the other thing is I'm I'm still waffling between my Enneagram numbers for sure uh somewhere in the two three or four but sometimes when I think about it I really identify with like the motivation of the four like wanting to be special um, I really want like if I'm if I'm reading like a physical book, I want people to see it, and I want people to be like, ah, oh, she's such like they. I want them to associate me with like this line of thought or this like cool thing that she's doing. Um, so that's on the more yes. superficial level of like, oh, <laughs> I want people to think I'm cool because I'm reading this book, or think I'm like cute or funny. I don't know. Like maybe a boy will want to date me because. <laughs> sees me reading this book oh yeah I mean that's what started our friendship <laughs> right so maybe yes. that's where I get this from maybe uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you judge a girl by the book right. she's reading which happened to be Lord yes. of the Rings in theater history class, Ooh, so. carry, she'll carry with her into the rest of her life <laughs> yes but I think that's such a good point Anna that there well there is such a huh, yeah we're complex creatures. There's such a variety of things that that shape why we read. Um, and it is, I think it's both like our in- internal inclination um, and like what you're saying is so awesome about that you read to be informed and that you read to have more nuanced opinions and um, yeah, to grow into the person that you want to be. Um, but also you recognize that the book titles that you, let's say, and especially I think in a... Um, like a social media setting like Goodreads, um, which we both mm-hmm. love using, but you know that people are going to be looking at that. And I guess even in in a more simple sense, like the books that you carry around at a coffee shop, like which kind of book are, are you going to buy in like hardcover and like very much display that you're reading versus like, mm, I'm just going to keep this on the Kindle because I don't really want anyone else to know that I'm reading yeah. it. Because <laughs> um, I think, yeah, we do... I mean, I know for myself, and this is kind of getting into our next question about like, how does the public eye influence what we read? But um, I've definitely had books that I read that I didn't really want to post on Goodreads. Um, And I kind of wrestled with that because I was like, what is that just like my pride? Like I want to be viewed as a certain type of reader and like people from my school are on Goodreads and like, what are they going to think if I'm like reading this YA book or maybe not even YA, more just like, like a a straight up romance kind of book. Like that would be the type that I'm a little embarrassed to 
But at the same time, I really believe in like a diversity of uh, genres, like that you can read a lot of different types of books and that's good for you. And, and I also think like, I'm definitely a mood reader and I am not always in the mood for something thought provoking. Um, I read for enjoyment. I would say, I don't know if I read for enjoyment and I do read for the enrichment of my mind. I think those are probably my two like main goals in reading. And Pausing the conversation here and you'll get to enjoy the second half of our conversation about what books are worth our time on our episode next week. We're going to go ahead and jump here to our final segment, which is a little bit of book matchmaking. Our guest for today is Miss Kate Branstetter. Kate sent us four books that she loves, that she's loved recently, and um, she has sent us one book that wasn't for her. Um, And yes, Kate is my sister and Anna's niece. And she has written us this beautiful introduction. Um, So I'm just going to read that and then we'll get into the recommendation. So she says, as a high school student involved in extracurriculars, I think I find the topic of this episode, what makes a book worth your time, um, very interesting as I struggle to find time to read and don't want to waste time on books that aren't worth it. Reading has so many valuable benefits. And this year, I felt a greater desire to read on my own. So a few books that she loved this past year. Anna, do you want to read those out for us? Yeah. Um, Divergent by Barack Haraf. Um, Every, Everybody Always by Bob Goff. Dear Evan Hansen by Stephen Williamson and uh, Emma were the four books that she loved. The book that she didn't love was Book of a Thousand Days by Shannon Hale. Um, and I'm sure you can speak to that one. Um, but some of the we've come up with a couple of recommendations, especially based on her first book, mm. Love Divergent. Um, we both are uh, entering into some love for um, <laughs> the like dystopian novel um, YA fiction. And so a couple of my recommendations that go with this one are The Children of the Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. I'm not sure if I pronounced that correctly, but <laughs> she has a, a trilogy of books coming out and they are kind of dystopian. They take place um, in a, a fictional world, but um, basically there's like this warrior princess and this warrior race, and they have to like kind of overcome an oppressive regime. Um, hashtag dystopian, um, hashtag real life. <laughs> but anyway, the thing that I, I've read the first two books because she hasn't come out with her third book yet. The second one just came out this year. Um, and they were just page turners for me. They were so fun. Um, and the other thing I loved about this one and the next book that I'll introduce where it's just that it featured um, characters of color. And as I was uh, just talking with Kaylee before this about why I think it's why it's an important book to read is um, it's just that I grew up in an all like white community and am now teaching pretty much all black students and I know that when I was reading young adult fiction novels growing up, I did not picture them any different from me. Um, I just assumed they were all white and probably most of them women um, because that's what I identify with. And I, but I do think it's important to read characters 
that are different from us um, that have different experiences and just to picture people who are different because we are mm-hmm. in such a multicultural world um, and increasingly so. So I hope you enjoy that one, Kate. If I had it, I would send it to you. I brought those from my school, so I had to give them back. But um, the Children of the Blood and Bone is the first one. And um, I think it's something about virtue and vengeance is the second one. So check those out. Uh, Tomi Adiyami. Kaylee? Awesome. Okay. So the first one I'm just going to shout out quickly because I haven't read this. Super new. But because you like Divergent and Hunger Games, I think you'll be excited to see that Suzanne Collins has just come out with a new book called Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. And this is a prequel to the Hunger Games series, and it follows um, the escapades of a young President Snow, obviously, before he was president. Um, So that looks great. Um, And then the other two, again, these are based on your um, love of Divergent. Um, The first one I'm going to recommend, I have not read, but many of my students really like it. It's called The Uglies by Scott Westerfield. And basic summary is that um, it's a dystopian society. The women in the book are termed, quote unquote, ugly until they turn 16, where they just by some process become beautiful. Um, and so the question of the novel is like, what happens if you don't want to subject yourself to that sort of process? Um, so I think it has some interesting themes um, that you might enjoy based on your love of Divergent. The other one um, that I thought of was Maze Runner by James Dashner. And I think Anna might actually be able to speak more to that one um, than I can. So any quick recommendation or summary of what Maze Runner um, how that might fit into Kate's um, interest, Anna? Um, I think just kind of the exciting nature of the book. There's there's a lot of, um, I'll say that this one, I read this one with some students was, uh, there's a lot of like buildup of kind of like the community that they have to form as like being maze runners. These, um, mm. and they're all young men actually, except for one character um, who comes in a little later. That's not a spoiler, it's just a fact. Um, but I, I think, it's just kind of the quickness and kind of the like um, plot twists of like, oh, how did this community come to be? It's kind of crazy that they don't have any parent. You know, it's just all these like, questions that you have about the society. I think that's what makes those um, books just fun to read. And as always, you can always just, that one has a lot of cute boys in the movie. So just <laughs> the movie after you can like reward yourself. I read a book. I can watch a movie that has cute boys in it. It's great. Yeah, <laughs> and it's God. exciting. Um, for my second recommendation it kind of the emma that you love uh, i love to increase your vocabulary that has been super important for me to think about what i read and what uh, my my children my students read as well Um, (laughs) and the one that i want to recommend in terms of that one is called pride by eb the boy and she's another um, author of color, and her characters in this are also um, teens in, I think it's Brooklyn or the Bronx or somewhere in New York, um, and they're, and it's basically like a rewrite of Pride and Prejudice. You know, obviously, anytime, like, you rewrite a classic, you, you have to change some of the details, but it's very young, adult, like, kind of fun teens, like, the the whole Pride and Prejudice plot line of you think that somebody is something and they think that you're something and so you hate each other but really you know there you know what's going to happen in the end so 
Um, but there's some good plot twists and some good like class dynamics. And again, this just features um, people of color. And I think it's important to include that in our reading and whenever we can and to support authors of color when we can. So Pride by Evie Zibboy. Woohoo, I'm going to put that on my uh, to-read list. Oh my gosh, you're going to like it great. so much. That's so <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> okay, my next recommendation is based on your enjoyment of Dear Evan Hansen, and that is The Fall in Our Stars by John Green. Um, John Green does a really good job of describing uh, the teenage experience, and um, if you're in the mood for a tearjerker, which I know, Kate, sometimes you are, this will definitely fit the bill. Um, I also just wanted to put a shout out to An Abundance of Catherines because your name is Catherine and there's Catherine in the title. So um, anyway, if you're looking for a tearjerker and a book that talks about um, issues that I think you might find relatable um, to what you're going through at your age and just um, in being a high school student and maybe not even things you're going through, but that your friends are going through, you might enjoy uh, John Green's witty uh, take on those issues. Um, okay, awesome. And then I think we both had a, a spiritual recommendation sort of based off of your enjoyment of Bob Goff. Um, so Anna, do you want to talk about, we both like this book, um, yeah. but the, um, you know which one. Yeah, The Liturgy of the Ordinary <laughs> is a book that we both read in the past year or so, I believe. I read it last spring, maybe you read it a little bit before that. Um, and it's by Tish Warren. And it's just, um, I think we mentioned in some of the some of your topping talking on uh, Bob Goff was like not having to like read it all at once. Um, mm. I think this one's a great one that you can like do as part of your like devotional or like quiet time with God either every day, maybe once a week. Um, but it just goes through different topics. Um, like the one that just sticks out to me still to this day is she writes a chapter. It's kind of memoir style. Um, uh, where she'll like kind of write a story and then she'll kind of expand on why this is an important spiritual practice. But she mm-hmm. talks about making the bed as being like a spiritual, that's, I think that's her first chapter. She talks about that being a process every day where she encounters God and she looks to encounter God in those spaces. And I think as you, you know, continue through high school and go to college, just encountering God every day is something that you can take along with you and just having these like physical, um, practices I think you'll enjoy kind of her style as well of like you don't have to sit down and read it all in one sitting you probably shouldn't um but to like take it chapter by chapter and really take in what she's saying and maybe practice it for a week for a month and then move on to the next one um so that one's one that you can take in chunks and yours is and mine is um crazy love by Francis Chan and the reason that this came to mind, Anna and I were also talking about this recommendation beforehand. Um, I think Francis Chan's style is um, similar to Bob Goff in that he is—he um, has a lot of depth, he has a lot of life experience, um, but he writes in a really accessible, interesting way that I think a lot of different people can relate to. Um, and you mentioned that you enjoy reading books that help you better yourself and challenge and grow your faith. And I think this book about um, the relentless lo- love that God has for us and how that impacts and, and shapes our life um, would really fit the bill of something that, yeah, just helps you better understand um, how God relates to us. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that those are our recommendations. Yeah. Hope you enjoy. Let us know what you think. You if have you try to any of them out. out. Otherwise, I'll be crushed. Just kidding. <laughs> kind of. Right. As I mentioned Her- earlier. <laughs> 
okay well thanks for having this conversation Anna and I think you have some students to attend to yeah Yeah. um I think we should just end with what are you currently reading and then we'll sign off and say see you next time for our podcast what are you currently reading okay so I have just downloaded several samples from the Kindle (laughs) per my I don't like to buy slash uh like fully endorse a book until I've sampled it. So what I'm tr- I'm deciding between a few right now. I've started all of Kittredge by Elizabeth hmm, Strout. Elizabeth Strout. Um, I am uh, just read a snippet of Hidden Valley Road, which is super interesting. Kind of reminding me of Educated. It's about a family of twelve kids, and um, I think six out of the ten boys in the family all suffered from schizophrenia so I I think I may actually go with that one because I'm I'm very intrigued by it so far um and then I also downloaded um beach read uh a sample of it which is another yeah oh I've seen that one yes I will definitely let you know because I've heard that you know it's one of those sort of like oh it draws you in by the title making you think it's a classic summer read but it's a little bit different than what you expect oh yeah so. like the one you just read that's interesting exactly oh, yeah yes. so I'll, I'll keep you up there on that I guess yeah um I'm what reading, are you reading I'm reading uh, I had started this book back in like 2017 and this is I know I said I was a completionist but it was uh it's a um it's a book of essays by Ta-Nehisi Coates he writes for the Atlantic he's written several books he read he wrote Between the World and Me and his first fiction novel came out this year, um, The Water Dancer. Um, so I, and these are all essays that he'd published during the time that President Obama was in office for The Atlantic. And so they like cover a, a variety of topics, but he put them all together in a book called um, We Were Eight Years in Power. Uh, but the, and when I, so when I first bought this back in 2017, I read like five or six essays just like in a row and was just taking in a ton of information <laughs> and I put it down. And now seems like the perfect time to pick it back up. And when I picked it back up, I realized that the title is We Are Eight Years in Power. And then the subtitle is An American Tragedy. And it just <gasps> has really like, as I'm, you know, it's been like, it was published right after Trump was inaugurated. It's been four years. I'm really like, see, you know, it's really interesting mm-hmm. to like read it now and think about like, wow, what a world <laughs> we live in. And yeah. like kind of what a, I don't know, just, it's been really interesting and forming, and um, I feel like a better person because I'm reading it, um, and so I just have the epilogue read, left to read of that, and I'm going to start um, a book for a virtual book club that I'm doing called Severance by Ling Ma, so i um, excited about that. I need to get on it, so I'm not behind on my book club, but yeah, that's what I'm reading, and I love reading, and I love hanging with you and talking. I'm excited. Yes, my favorite all right well that wraps up our conversation and thanks for listening yes and happy reading yes happy reading bye